Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of From the Level. Oh, the echo is back. Hello. I'm your host, Moshi. I'm Patrizio, and um, Moshi, we were having a really beautiful conversation before starting this, um, and you were very vulnerable with me. I was not. Um, our listeners probably don't know this, oh God. but Moshi is not your government name. <laughs> it's Judith. <laughs> But I like to call you. Don't say what my government name is. I like to call you Jenna, Jenna, Jenna. Uh, (laughs) That was, I literally didn't know where you were going to go with that for a second because the truth is, I am never vulnerable with you. So (laughs) I'm like, why is he just talking lies? Why is he being deceptive (laughs) to our listeners? They Much must- like Judith Omoshi, you are vulnerable with strangers, but not with me. What's that about? That is that is very factual, actually. That is that is where Judith and I are the same. It's the only thing I have in common with Jenna Lyons. I mean, are we Judith- calling her Judith now? Well, it just seems that every week something about her is a falsehood, and the whole lions <laughs> lions is like. So, so funny to me still. But um, no, no, no. Like, I think you have to call people by the name that they've chosen. Her name is Jenna. That's the name that she wants. That's the name that we respect and call her by. Um, But this week on the pod, Patrizio is back. Yay. Uh, And (laughs) we're talking about the Real Housewives of Atlanta finale. We're going to talk about the Real Housewives of the OC. And we're going to talk about the Real Housewives of New York. But look, the listeners will be very happy that you're back because you know, I failed at Word on the Street last week or Coffee Talk. So, Patty, you're back. Do what you do. All right, let's get into um, just some upcoming premieres that we've finally got some dates for. So we have Season 13 of Beverly Hills premiering 1st of November, um, which means probably about a month away from a trailer. We've got Potomac Season 8, which you will not be watching, from the 5th of November. Um, which only leaves Real Housewives of Dubai without an air date for the rest of this year at this stage. And Ultimate Girls Trip Morocco. Well, Ultimate Girls Trip Scary Island. Whatever. Um, which I mean, in the in the main canon, I guess, like Dubai, like I, I'm feeling like it could be like an October, like perhaps like a between a New York and Beverly Hills air date. We have a release date for Miami, especially knowing that it's going back to Bravo. Oh, yeah. I guess maybe December. I feel like it was December last year. Okay, cool. I forgot about Miami. Oops. How dare you? Oh, God. Um, And our favourite... Yes. Real Housewives of Cheshire. 
Um, they've commenced their filming for season like eighty five or whatever. Like truly, <laughs> season three thousand. Who knows? They've actually, to be fair, they've actually really slowed down on how fast they pop these ones out. Like normally, we'd already have four seasons have it this okay. year alone. Like <laughs> the budget has dropped a bit because let's be honest, the quality of the show isn't where it used to be. Um, but in any case, we got a glimpse. They went to Manchester Pride this weekend. Um, that was to kick off filming. Um, but curiously, Ampika and Esther are back on the cards. They were spotted filming with the other ladies um, who all seem to be returning, much to our pleasure or disgust, I'm not sure. Chagrin. What was that? My chagrin. Much to my ch- I'm using bigger, bigger words these days, Patty. Wow. You've you've evolved. Ah, much like a Pokemon. I have evolved. Or I'm Moshimon, like. <laughs> Not Moshimon. Um, anyway, so I don't know, like, the way that they're bringing back Nicole, that's a conversation for a different day, though. No, um, like, why is she there? Why is that other one? Who's the one that's constantly popping out kids, the dental? Anna. Her, they both need to go. There's just something about like they, and the thing is that like none of them even have like things happening in their lives anymore, other than the one popping out the babies. I know they need to bring up, they need to bring back Megali. I'll even let them bring back Wardy. Like if they're bringing Ampika and Esther back, I need, I need justice for Megali, and I'm happy for Wardy to come back. Nah, yeah, well, I mean, there are two names that are just never going to return. So you can watch that one in your dreams. We didn't think Ampika was going to return and she's back. So I don't know. Never say never. Magali's never going back to the show. And Dawn has been exiled say, to Dubai. If, 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 if What's Her Face comes back, um, what's her name? The one that's now getting divorced from her husband that had the fight with Dawn Ward. Oh, um, l- 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 something. Something brown. No, 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 not that one. But like Leanne. Leanne Brown. That's right. Like if she comes back and then she apologizes, if Migali gets her apologies, she's coming back. Trust me. Okay, well, I look forward to seeing that in season 148 of um, Real Housewives of Georgia. <laughs> um, and... In other, like, filming news, New York and OC are both um, imminently filming the reunions. Andy's out on on the formerly known Twitter asking for questions. Um, I mean, New York, that's been a fast season that they are already filming a reunion. Well, they have, it's obviously, like, you know, you weren't here last week, but we got their mid-season trailer and we were six episodes in. So, you know, I think they've done the smart thing with the first season and they're going for, like, 12, 13 episodes. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, they're about to go on their cast trip and they'll be wrapped up really quickly. And I think it makes sense because they went on a cast trip in their second episode, right? So I think all this season's a good season, Moshi. Is uh, Maybe this is the way they all need to be moving forward. Uh, Yeah, I would appreciate, like, more seasons in less episodes, to be honest. Yes. Even though I just said the complete opposite of Cheshire, like is, Cheshire is different. Um, d- did you, um, Kim and Croy? They're getting divorced again. Are they getting divorced, or did Croy just file for divorce again? Because here's the thing: 
they've just filed for divorce. I don't believe that they will get divorced. I think that all, I'm telling you, all of this is strategic. Uh, the way she's trying to earn a peach for a show that is shortly will not exist. Wow. That's a big call. Well, we're going to talk about that in a bit, but um, I just want to round this out by, because um, now that that would have been the segue, but um, I just wanted to mention that I saw today word on the street is that Jen Fessler is um, the drama of the new season of Housewives of New Jersey. Apparently she just hasn't stopped crying and arguing. Wow, that's so random. I mean, I don't know. I just see her happy on her Instagram. She just had her birthday. Like, she's living her best life. Well, I think her birthday was, like, filmed for the show. So, because they are full into filming at the moment. Look, she's doing whatever she needs to do to get a turnpike. So, go for gold, Jen Fessler. If, if like, they do a full rebrand of New Jersey, like they did OC and Miami and New York kind of thing, of the, the graphics... And the women finally got to hold something. What would they be holding? Rats? <laughs> <laughs> what? <Not> rats. <laughs> I don't know. Turnpikes. What is like intrinsically Jersey that is like tangible? Well, I was like a red red wine glass. Red wine makes sense. A bowl of pasta. Not everyone is Italian. The ferry? Or the, no, the ferry is like a Staten Island thing. Or they could have the, you know, the Italian hands. <laughs> they just do Italian they hands. They just do Italian hands. They just put their hands up and just do the. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that was going to be that funny. <sighs> Then maybe on Salt Lake City, instead of holding, like, snowflakes, they should blow cocaine onto people. Like, 100%. Like, you know, maybe what we need is the real housewives of the the areas. So maybe it is just people taking opioids, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like holding a bottle of opioids. Maybe they can hold, like, bankruptcy documents. Like, truly, like... Show us who you really are. <laughs> well, on that note, um, I did stuff up that segue, but we're going to talk now. Um, some word on the street pertaining to Atlanta before we talk about this finale that aired this week of season 15. Um, okay, so the first part of this is that Kenya has gone on a tirade this week about how production has cut, like, all the meaningful scenes um, related to her storyline this season um, from the show. Um, I just want to point out, this is a continuation of what she did on the podcast with Carlos. Correct. And so in particular, she calls out, she called out on like, you know, on social media this week was um, that her finale, um, well, not her finale party, but like her hair salon spa opening party was not shown. It did, I mean, it did get a feature and like a flashback kind of thing as they were closing out her segment on the finale. Um, that wasn't shown that like Brooklyn's like third birthday wasn't shown. Um, and her argument is that these are events that all the women are attending as compared to some of these other things that like some people like Marlo are going to or whatever it is. Right. 
Um, and as a part of that is that why is Kenya being treated in this way when there are other housewives like Candy who always has her business ventures featured on the show or like Marlo who has, you know, in Kenya's opinion, got a sort of like a redemption storyline. It's so clear that you don't listen to your own podcast because we discussed this last week. Where have you been? I didn't like, I've been. Just the people, uh, no, he does not listen to the podcast. She has no idea what he's well, got on the show. Moshi, but we're here to discuss it together. So, like, how do you feel about this whole Kenya thing? Because I'm of the opinion that just because all the women show up to something doesn't mean that it's good TV. And that's what I heard. I heard that it was a very lackluster event. So, and that's, I, I saw that comment, a producer commented on. The showrunner. Yeah. And said that her events were lackluster. Um, so a bit more context is that she called out on the podcast. So she spoke about this in a bit more in depth and she just sort of said that, She's being punished still. She feels that she's still being punished for not marrying Mark Daly on the show and that that's part of the reason why her seating has changed and that is like at reunions and that is part of the reason why she has been cut out. Personally, like, I think maybe that could be a bit of it, like a small teeny tiny bit, but I do think a lot of it, I, I do I do think that Kenya is being punished, but I don't necessarily think she's being punished for that. I think she's being punished for not being a team player, which is something that we have called out throughout this entire season. And it's because I think like there are definitely other housewives who act like they who are the HBIC, but I think that production doesn't see Kenya doing what needs to be done even when she's having a lackluster season. And I think like Kyle is like a really great, it's funny she compares herself to Kyle, but Kyle knows how to play the game, right? Kyle might not be having anything happening in her season. And you know how I feel about Kyle. I think she should be, I've, I've, if there's one person who has had like a campaign against getting rid of Kyle, it's me. Um, But, you know, in perspective, Kyle has brought like, Kathy, Kyle has brought like James, like Kyle has done this other proximity stuff and brought other avenues to the show. So she will continue to sit where she sits. You know what I mean? Like it is what it is. Um, whereas I think like we've just, like what I said, like what we've spoken about is Kenya is just not playing nice. The fact that she's actively being mean to Marlo, like all of these things that is what she's being punished for, in my opinion. I mean, it's hard to disagree with you, Moshi. Um, I think that, um, I mean, like Kenya had her had her turn. She was like top seat like seasons ago. Um, I think in particular this reunion, I mean, obviously the front seats are Sheree and Drew, and Drew obviously makes like a hell of a lot of sense. Um if we're talking about who is the face of the show this season. But, like, I don't know. I just, I'm a bit, I'm just a little bit done with. um, The ATL girls. I just think, but, I mean, even Kenya's comment, I I saw someone, like, 
provide this commentary online. There was like Kenya is on this tirade about how like no one should just be given a peach. You should have to like you know yeah audition audition yeah. prove yeah. yourself and all the rest of it. But then her friend of that keeps kind of like popping up every now and again this season is like she wants her to be a full-time peach holder and it's sort of like, well, your friend has like done nothing to even be memorable compared to someone like a Courtney. So like. I don't think she wants her friend to be a full-time peach holder. I think she wants her friend to be a friend of, and her friend isn't even a friend of this season. But this is the thing. It's sort of like she's, she's being given an opportunity and she's not like pulling the stunts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think maybe that's, so this is her argument as well, is that she's not pulling the stunts. She says that what she's bringing are real true things that are happening in her life, whereas what she says mostly about Marlo is that Marlo is pulling stunts. You know, what she says about someone like Courtney, and I have to admit, like I know, I don't know how deep we'll get into it, but I'm ha- quite happy to never see Cousin Courtney ever again. Like she was doing too much. But her thing is that... There are people, she believes there are people on the show who are pulling stunts and she's not pulling stunts. And I do think that Kenya has an interesting story to tell. Like one of, one of because I'll give you an example of something that she said, I'm paraphrasing here, but with her opening the Kenya Moore hair spa, she wanted to show like, everything that goes into building a business, right? So that because she, her thing is that she's never done it before. So she's like, this is a, such a great, op- you have an opportunity here for something that is actually aspirational, something to uplift the community, but instead you would rather show stuff that in her mind is fake. Um, and I guess like I didn't talk about this last week. I don't know how I feel about it. I did advocate for you though that, you know, we don't support Marlo bashes, but like, have you seen the thing about Marlo and the accessibility chairlift in her house? Yes, I have. And Kenya's argument is that we need to know why there's a chairlift in her house. Who does the house belong to? Like, things that, like, she's saying that, like, Marlo is not being super truthful, but I think. And I, I, and I think there is, like I said this last week, but I think she's still not over what Marlo said to her about her mum abandoning her. Like that is at the heart. And Kenya, one of the things that I need for Kenya to do is just acknowledge that like she can't get over a grudge and that she holds a grudge. I was just offended by like how ableist the comment was because I was And so you should be. Like, like, who cares if Marlo's got a, like, stair lift in her, in her home, whether it was installed by the previous owner, whether it's installed by the landlord, like, like, who cares? You're calling him the landlord. I was just like, the current owner who also still lives at the house. But it's just one of those things that, like, as well, like, I mean, if we're just, like, getting into, like, you know, semantics now, like, Someone's installed it. What are you going to do? Rip it out of the wall? Like, you just keep it there. Like, anyway, I just. You're a Marlo apologist, and that's why we love you. Thank you. I just, the thing with Kenya is that I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't care. Like, I I feel like the, 
the one sort of like thread through the season for Kenya was more about her like wanting to have another child like that. I'm like, why is that not sufficient for your storyline? Cause that is really interesting that you've got this dynamic where you're like, you, you own the embryos and you don't know what you want to do when your daughter's growing up and she's really cute and you want to have another kid. Like, and then your, your father's there as well. Like, I think it's because she couldn't go deeper on that. Like we didn't go too deep on that. Like, and I think a lot of that has to do with the legal side with Mark Daly. And I was thinking about it, especially rewatching this week's episode. I'm like, why did they choose to focus on that and not focus on, you know, the uplifting thing? And I'm like, especially after she said like, you know, she's, she talks about it like she doesn't want to say anything in case, in case Mark uses it against her still in their divorce to make their divorce proceedings go longer. And it really got me thinking that I think that, I mean, we need to, we like to say that we do get at the intersection of some of the deeper issues on these shows. And I think there is something to the fact that on the shows that are predominantly women of colour, the audience wants to see more friction than uplift or they want to see things that are are, are more polarising than, like, just somebody's, like, decent journey. And I think that is at the heart of also what Kenya is saying. Um, and, And... I think that is one of the things is that Housewives is so steeped in this and Carlos King talks about it on that podcast as well that some of the franchises are so steeped in being about a friction dynamic that we can't move beyond it and we're, we've all evolved. We're all different Pokemon now. Like we're bored with singular friction we want the ensembles which is why new york is working so well and some and someone like kenya is trying to escape the friction but she i think she feels really boxed in i think i i don't know if you heard this but you know how i've always said that kenya should be off the show and she should have a spin-off like just her in brooklyn she's pitched it and it was denied i don't think it'd be that interesting though I do. I don't know. I just feel it in my gut. When I when I put my producer hat on, there is like a 30-minute different show there. Even the even the photos from Brooklyn's third birthday, they looked oh, I didn't average. See, I didn't see them. I was like, this is no like charade sip and see, you know. <laughs> Nothing will ever be a charade sip and see. <laughs> I mean, where else are you also going to get a secret daughter? Like, come on. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll get into that shortly. Um, I just want to address a Haitian on um, rumor that's out there at the moment, which is that cousin Courtney is not actually Ralph's cousin, but in fact, his Tampa lover. Why can't, why can't it be both? Oh, well, I mean, and that Drew, because she's an actress, has been playing along this whole time. As somebody who has told everybody on this podcast that Drew has been acting the whole time, duh, it's all I have to say to that. Just the duh. So how do you feel knowing that Courtney and Ralph are the Let's say knowing. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's not allegedly not facts. Um, like I said, why can't it be both? I do you know what it is about Courtney? And I don't know if you saw this. Was this at the sit? Oh yeah, it was at the at the sip and see because we haven't spoken about this. I think it was the sip and see when she bumped into Shamia. And they knew each other, right? Like Courtney will. Courtney is so thirsty. I don't think she's hidden the fact of how badly she wants to be on this show. She started off coming in as being friends with Sheree. Then she like was trying to get Candy to be like, you know me. And then Candy was like, fuck off, bitch. And then like she was trying to come around. And then at last she was like, I can be his cousin. So for that reason, I don't think she's a Tampa lover, but I definitely think that she was coming in hot for like any avenue to get on the show. I think she would say she was the lover if I got her on the show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, B Scott revealed this week that halfway through season 15 um, reunion filming, they decided that the reboot had to happen and, um, since then, Bravo's come out, like every other person has come out saying that's not true, but there are going to be some significant casting changes that will need to take place ahead of a new season. Um, I mean, this has been like the discussion of of the season, really. Um, people also are out there now being like, sack the producers. Like we need a we need a full reboot of the producing company, not so much the housewives. Um, what's your, what's your take on all of this, Moshi? So I do think that B Scott is, is on the list of the, like, People Magazine, page six, in that when B Scott says something where there's smoke, there's fire, especially about the Atlanta girls, B Scott is who has that tea first always, right? Mm. Is the so, David Quinn of Atlanta. A hundred percent. So um, somebody messaged me about this, Bianca. I don't think she'll listen, but um, she'd messaged me about this and my thoughts on it. And I know we post, you posted it to our Instagram. So I take what B. Scott says, not as gospel, but as like, mm, that's a possibility, like, because you're saying it. But here is my actual rule. Whatever Candy says is what's going to happen. So I'm waiting to see if Candy will say the reboot is happening or what is happening. Because, like, Candy really doesn't lie. That's one thing I know about Candy. So that's how I feel about it. But obviously I've been wanting a reboot the whole time, so. Well, look, Candy's getting her movie um, on Peacock. She just got, like. out already. Old Lady Gang got, like, um, renewed for a new season. Like, Candy, I feel like potentially setting herself up for the inevitable here. Um, I don't know. I just, I think like, yeah, I think it could go either way at the moment. It's like they could either do a significant cast overhaul, um, perhaps like a Miami style, you know, keep three OGs, put two as a friend of and then bring three newbies on, something like that, or it's a full recast. But I think the thing that I understand from what you've said on the podcast and just like other things as well is that it's hard to get housewives to join the show in Atlanta. And I feel like if you do want new blood 
perhaps a full recast is the only way to be able to encourage those women that perhaps are not willing to join a show right now. And I think that was kind of happening in New York too. Like no one wanted to be on like the 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 old old white ladies of the Upper East Side show. Like you know, the current cast would never have fit in with those women. Um, so maybe it is that we need like a full recast to be able to bring the show into a new era. I can like just in my mind, like for me, Atlanta always kind of should have been and here's the thing why I'm not too offended by Bravo not doing this but like if you want to see some really great you know black women on housewives style shows I've spoken about this franchise before so married to medicine number one is doing what is continuously doing what needs to be done it's it is housewives except half of them are doctors half of them are married to doctors like that is the difference dr jackie was on the freaking episode this week like they cross over so much um find hollywood exes or the atlanta version monietta was on it like it was it was great um there's been lots of other like shows like that that other production companies have just produced and they're phenomenal you know they're doing what needs to be done um there's like I think what I would like to, oh like um Tiny and Toya is like a really interesting show that has Tiny who's one of the members from Escape and T.I.'s Misses and like there's all of these other shows that these women have done and I think what they need to do if they want to bring in a new cast. I think like they need to have a really significant theme like they kind of do in New York. So like the theme in New York I sort of see is like it's influencers, it's like fashion girlies, like there is this thing at the heart of what they do. Like they're all hustlers, right? Maybe that's what it is. Like everybody on that, this French New York is a hustler. And so for me, I'm like, okay, the theme for Atlanta that makes so much more sense to me is music. Like staff it with a whole bunch of young candies. Um, there's a plethora of these women, you know, women who, um, are in the entertainment industry. Like some of them could be like entertainment lawyers, but, or, you know, like there's so many different facets, producers, singer songwriters, like there are stacks of them. And I think that giving everybody kind of a North star is so much more interesting than like the pick and mix that's going on at the moment. It's a pick and mix. Yeah. And to be honest, like when you talk about that as well, it's like people like Drew kind of fit into Except what you're talking about. But we Drew's can't keep old. She's too old. I want people younger. Oh. I said what I said. <laughs> all right. Well, with all of that in mind, let's talk about this um, final episode of the season. Um, thank God it's over. Thank the heavens. Let's just, like, do a quick sort of, like, you know, round table of, like, what's happening here. So, like, Marlo. I I found, I know you kind of liked when they focused on, like, three storylines an episode or something, but I find, I found Marlo's, like, they would just drop it in and drop it out, like, I, the timelines are weird to me. How are her and Scott Lee suddenly, like, really together? I thought it was, like, just one date. Like, to just bring it back, I guess they needed to give us the closure, but 
I don't know. I don't know what to make of Marlo this season. How did you feel about it? Well, I mean, like, it's been an entire season and we finally heard about La Archive again. Um, Which has been doing other things. I know, but, like, it was sort of like, you know, why are we reviving? Like, it, like you said, I think everything has been weird and this is why the people are asking for a full reboot of production rather than the Housewives because the people are just like, it, none of it is making sense. Um, yeah, I agree about the Scott Lee thing, but then I also think Marlo is a woman of a certain age and I feel like a relationship does move faster when you're older. Um, like she'll be married next season. You know what I mean? I don't think she will be. I, th- I have a weird feeling Marlo is married to somebody else, but you know, whatever. Um, I just felt like with Marlo, there were so many hot topics and they couldn't, I think there was almost too much going on that they couldn't figure out what to focus on, like expunging her records, um, the Monty life. And, you know, we want the follow-on from what happened last year where she kicked her nephews out. Then there's the Scott Lee of it all. And then it sounds like she's been working with Tammy Roman, like being the head of her thing, and then doing like styling with Cynthia Bailey. Like it just, there's so many things. Um, Then there's obviously like her um, foundation that she does as well. I felt like Phaedra was somebody who also had a lot, had her finger in a lot of pies, but they found a real way to streamline it. And I just don't think they've been able to find that with uh, Monty Marlowe. A disappointment. Um, I want to say my MVP for this episode, though, is Alison, Drew's sister, um, who fucking comes for Ralph. Although I still don't think this woman should be on the show. Okay. I was going to ask you, like, (laughs) should she be on the show? Um, Patrizio, look, I think Alison is great, but I have this issue with Drew, which is that Drew creates fights. Well, she doesn't create fights, but she doesn't like to fight her own battles. I deliberately think that Drew brought her sister on the show to fight on her behalf. Um, even though, like, obviously she's in an incredibly toxic relationship, um, she still, you know, will involve Ralph. Like, we've watched her involve Ralph in her issues with some of the women. Like, when Marlo made a really off-the-cuff comment, which is that I'm just in the same line of business as your husband. Like, there's nothing offensive about that, but Drew was offended, right? And then she brought Ralph into it. Like, just routinely finding Drew's inability to fight her own battles, to me, says that you are out of your depth and you shouldn't be on this show. Which is, I think, what you said exactly this same time last year. <laughs> but it's, it's, Drew just, it, to me, comes across as being a brat. Like, it just shows, like, Alison was her manager, right? Alison is obviously significantly older than her. And Alison, uh, the other side of it is like, they've all obviously um, enabled you know, this behaviour, like, they're so used to all protecting Drew. Like, Drew has never had to do anything on her own, which is what could make her coming back compelling to see how she does do things on her own. But, like, like leave Alison alone. Like, Alison needs to rest. Amen. <laughs> um, 
the um candy candy's got her movie shot and and out they've got God's, a trailer movie you calling it candy's movie is so funny to me yes she's a producer on it but it, it's like well todd can do nothing without candy right so um well candy's storyline so um look the way that this is already on, on peacock she by Shane could never. Sheen. Shine. It's Sheen. She by Sheen. She by Sheree. <laughs> You're trying to make the joke. I'm just telling you how to say the word. Don't be afraid. Spring, summer, September. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised. And kudos to them. I'm going to try and find it for us at the lower level so we can watch it. Maybe we'll do a little movie night. No, do do you not know that like people are boycotting? People have been watching it and loving it. Who's boycotting and why? The the drew of it all. Well, my favorite tweet, which I posted on our Instagram, is like they got Drew to act her own life, like her biopic, her own biopic. It's drew. it's the hallmark movie of Drew Sedora. <laughs> But I think, like, it goes, well, she said she's not doing anything below Hallmark or Lifetime moving forward. But, um, I mean, is this the genius of Candy? Is this why they, like, Candy is still on this show? Because Candy does these things that she can then go and say, this isn't Drew. Like, she could have said no. Like, Candy has plausible deniability in all of (laughs) And these are the moments where, because, you know, candy frustrates the fuck out of me, but these are the moments where I'm like, tee, you know, <laughs> like, go candy. <laughs> oh, my God. So shady. The mess. Um, did the, wanted to do it, so. To quote, um, can I just quote Drew? Now that is empty. <laughs> um. Mama Joyce is there as well, um, checking to make sure Cynthia's wearing a ring or not. Um, iconic. I mean, Mama Joyce, we've really been denied a lot of Mama Joyce lately. Which, I mean, is fair enough, but at least we found out she's in therapy. When she was, like, saying to Candy, as long as you're happy, I was like, who is this woman? <laughs> this is not the woman who was at BravoCon last year, like... This is the problem, and the the way that I'm problematic for saying this, it's when these women get their hormones in check and they start seeing therapists, it's like, and I'm moving on. Oh, no. I mean, I've just said that we don't, like, do we just want to see our black women just continuously traumatized? Mama Joyce, like, she That's what made her who she is, yeah. She and and you know what her intentions are good. <laughs> I think well, I think some of her intentions are good. I think some of her intentions are shady, but <laughs> that's a different that's a different podcast. Um, but yeah, it was good to see her on our screens. But look, I think um, the 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 event of this episode for me was definitely the sip and see um, because. Like this it just wasn't even in this episode, it was a whole episode ago. You were away. Oh my god, I'm like so confused as to like the um 
the it's the because, timelines. Because yeah. you were on your hiatus last week. It's because I watched two episodes in a row. Say what you need to say about the sip and see because can we just talk yeah. about the sip and see briefly? Yes, I mean I did, but again, you don't listen to your own podcast, so there you go. I had I didn't bring I didn't ring the bell. This is a this is a reminder of us all. <laughs> It's a reminder for you. Don't rope in our listeners with your shenanigans, okay? Sheree truly just like the way that she brought Bob's daughter on the show because, like, she had to sign off on that and then plays this game that she doesn't know who this girl is. It's just it's no, no, but she would have signed off on it after the fact, No. Oh no! Come on, she she called Bob and was like, "Bob, bring bring your daughter." No that you. way! Ah, no way. sorry. You think that Sheree had a genuine reaction to meeting this girl? She's talking about it in the car with her other daughter today. Oh, Patricia! It was fake, 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 fake. Wow! You and the fucking hatred on Jesus Christ. Uh, uh-uh, I don't believe it was fake, fake, fake. I'm and I. If if that makes me naive, then call me naive. Sheree did what had to be done. She brought the the but daughter why on. Would she got that daughter to upstage her glam baby. Because she's there's there's a bigger picture here. It isn't. You're Patrizio. She's not that clever. I don't know, Moshi. I just, I think. Smart enough to bring Drew's abuser, which is the best way to get Drew not to be at your party. But, like, she did not tell Bob to bring his secret daughter. She did not know who that woman was. She was, like, pulling Martel into the pictures. If she'd known who she was, she would have told her to wear pink. Did she wear pink? She was wearing hot pink pants. Oh, she was wearing black. I don't even remember. That's what I mean. Like, she, like she was in on it all. I don't believe you. This is this is going to be the thing that one day we'll both be pre- well. One of us will be proven right. But for now, I'm the run that's right. I'm I. As far as I'm willing to meet you in the middle here is that it was the first time she was meeting her in person, perhaps. But I am more than sure Shrey knew exactly who she was, that there was a sign-off that it was okay to bring her along to the party. Like, like I'm sorry, but if your, if your dad had a secret love child and had introduced you to those, to that child, right, who is your half-sibling, right, at this point, surely at some point you go home to your mum and you go, mum, Something really fucked up happened today. Dad introduced me to my half-sibling who is older than I am. Okay, so one of the things that you're forgetting is that this is Bob. So so there are certain things that people let just fly because it's Bob. And I was thinking, like, look, I talked about this last week, but Bob is a clown. Like, this is what he does. He is not a serious person. So it is very likely that he he has, like, multiple, like, she's aware of the fact that he has multiple children and that they exist. But, like, 
he definitely had relationships while he was with Sheree. Like she knows this and she chose to stay with him. And there was obviously relationships before Sheree. Like this is just the type of shit that they expect from Bob, which is why the girls were like, is it his girlfriend or is it his daughter? Like they were like Candy expects it. They all have known Bob. This is what he does. Don't you remember how he was like trying to get out of giving Sheree alimony yes. and set up like he's a clown? <laughs> these are all not serious people, Moshi. I know, but like Sheree is also, she says in this week's episode, she's not somebody who gets stressed. She's not somebody like like she just like she doesn't give a fuck about things. And I think that that is the part of Sheree that we have not seen because she was away for so long. We only at the beginning of the season only got to see her because she was having like friction with Nini. Right. And now we're just seeing who the real Sheree is, which is just like somebody who just like has parties for the sake of having a party. And it's really about her. We're seeing somebody who wants to woosa. We're seeing somebody athletic. We're seeing somebody who like, just wants to fuck Martel. Like, she's just living her best life. Like, this is who Sheree is. And I really think, like, like, she's a bit of a bimbo, to be honest with you. And I really think that she did not know about Bob's daughter. Okay. Um, obviously, we know um, from earlier this year, once the news of the Sedora divorce came out, cameras went back into action. <laughs> It's why you call it the Sedora divorce. Ralph's surname is Pittman, but I love that you call it the Sedora divorce. That's powerful. Um, the cameras went back up and they filmed so we could have an extra 10 minutes of an episode. Was it worth it? No. I think it was worth it. This is sadistic of me. Only because we got the Sanya follow-up, which was... I don't count that as Drew. I count that as Sanya. And that's the thing. Like, there was, it was like, I think it was just like, obviously, they were never going to do that for Sanya. Like, had the Drew thing not happened, I guess. But, um, no, I don't think so. Um, I thought, you know, like, obviously, it was heartbreaking. It was emotional. It was extremely touching. Um, It's what we expect from our housewives. Yeah, because I felt like from watching the way that they sort of extended the episode that they were setting it up like, and I I think Sonia had a decent season and I think she is a good housewife, that it's like Drew and Sonia are the torchbearers moving forward, you know? I mean, look, like, like, there's just so many possible, like, you know, variables here. Like, yes, they could be... But so could a return to, like, Candy, Sheree, and Kenya and bringing on three new housewives. Or, like, you know, there's just so many different ways you could go. But, um, yeah, Sanya, like, I thought that was just, like, really glad that we got that. And for um, those who are listening and don't watch Atlanta and are like, what happened with Sanya? So one of the big things this season was Sanya and Ross getting pregnant and having their second child. And... At about five weeks, Sonia experiences a really horrific, and all miscarriages are horrific. The circumstances of this one, though, are particularly insane. Um, 
And that was what we got to see, the extra side of it, which is, I think, really interesting because following on social media, she's pregnant again, obviously, and I had thought it was the same pregnancy. So it was really interesting. That was something that I could only learn from the show. So I I agree with you. I didn't realise that her being pregnant at the moment was not yeah we we were seeing on the show um but i guess timelines do kind of check out now that i think about it a bit more deeply um but obviously drew um my thing with drew in this like second part here is why are we giving ralph any airtime Thank you. And I am so with you on this. Like the, and also like previewing the reunion. Like it's an actual joke. Like I don't, he shouldn't be on that couch. No, I, I hundred percent agree with you. Um, you have had to deal with me this week, Patrizio. I'm by detective skills because obviously like Ralph is gross. And I'm like, I had an inkling. I was like, from the from the that last little bit, yeah, they need the the listeners need to know. I will give you guys. Some. I was wondering where this was going, and then I remembered. And then you remembered. Okay, so one of the other things that is really gross in this extra bit is that cousin Courtney, or Courtney from Tampa, gets her fifteen minutes at last and gets her in confessional, where she basically just is so nasty and so rude about Drew, like literally for no reason, but pu- purely so that she can get screen time. You, we have to remember that Drew met her for the first time on this show. She has not had a relationship with Drew or Ralph the whole time. They just happened to be related, supposedly. Like, and, you know, she went in like she knows all of this stuff and one of the things that she inferred was that, like, Drew was with Ralph purely for his money, which is obviously anytime I'm hearing stuff like this, I'm like, well, I need to know where, where Ralph gets his money from. And I finally was like, I bet you he's on LinkedIn. <laughs> and he is. And can I just tell you something, listeners? They're all on LinkedIn. If you ever want to know the timelines of a, a housewife personality, a Bravo celebrity, just go on their LinkedIn. Um, and so that's what I did. And when I found out about his occupation, I was like, not surprised. But I will confer that he would be someone who makes quite a bit of dosh. And well, he can take the dosh and he'll fuck off. Yeah, 100%. He's absolutely horrible. But, yeah, I don't understand. Somebody who we have clearly seen be abusive on this show is being given that much airtime. And this is the problem with Real Housewives of Atlanta. Is it a problem with the show or is it a, this is where I'm like, or is it a problem with Bravo and the way they treat black women? Like if Mauricio did, I mean, I'm not saying that like Kyle and Drew are the same, but like in terms of house husbands that we know of, you know, we wouldn't have them on the show. Especially it seemed like Drew didn't even know he was going to be on. Just having a sneak peek, you know? And even in this section too, I'm like, they can't even say anything because they're like, oh, let me check with my lawyer first. Like, if we can't even talk about it, like, why are we here? Like, you know what I mean? Such a camera hog. Like, 
He loves fame so, so much. I mean, they both do. And that is that is what has killed their relationship if they were ever in love. Well, Moshi, I think this is a great place to take a quick break. And after we come back, we're going to talk OC and New York City. Sounds good. Back from the break, Moshi. Hello. Um, we're going to talk about the Real Housewives of Orange County, episode 11, season 17. Um, let's just talk about some highlights of this episode. I don't remember the episode, so. Okay, so the first thing we'll talk about in that case is um, Jen has adopted some kittens and had a really beautiful conversation with her son about adoption and all the rest of it. And I think Jen is a fantastic housewife. I think that she's bringing something to the show that we've never seen before of any franchise, to be honest. Um, I found it really, like, heartwarming and beautiful. And I just wanted to say that to you, Moshi. Uh, Jen has been perfect. She's exactly what the show needed, a bit of soul, if you will. Um, And what I now, like, you've triggered some memories for me. And I think... What I loved most about the conversation that she was having with her son is that it was a really raw and honest conversation in that she was actually, you know, one of the things that I, that we talk, like, that I hate is, like, colour blindness, like, not acknowledging, Mm. like, we were just like, we're all the same. And it's like, well, we're not because there are systems that exist that make it very clear that we're not all the same. And I thought it was really just good the fact that she was acknowledging the stark differences between them because that's how he's going to go through life in society. That's what's always going to happen. And what she is teaching him is to be resilient, is to have a thick skin, is to acknowledge his ethnicity and to be proud of it and that it is just part of what makes him him. And, you know, hats off to her. It's quite, it's obviously like, I think she still has like a way, a ways to go, but um, I think like it's really clear that she's not performative. Like this is truly who she is and that she's doing the work that needs to be done to make herself a great parent for a child, like raising a person of colour. And I think it takes a very special kind of person to adopt a child and don't mean to foster children. She's been fostering obviously for a long time and then to adopt her son and like, you know, like, yeah, like someone who doesn't look like your family as well. There was just all those added complexities that she's going to have to navigate as a parent. And, yeah, it was just, it was refreshing. It was something different. So refreshing. Yeah. Loved None it. of these other women could ever on this show. Really? Maybe Emily. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Emily. We like, have the Innocence Project on, like, are we talking about that? Can we just, like, talk about, because to me, it was a highlight. I was glad that we came back to it. Yes. I mean, it's, look, in the reality TV universe, it's been done. Okay. Kim but, Kardashian. 
But the difference is we need to be reminded that Emily was a fucking attorney. Okay. We need to we need to remember because she's it's her it's her show. Yeah, but Kim became an attorney. Anyway, this is not about her. It's about Emily. Good for her. I don't know. I think the Innocence Project and the concept of it is so important, especially the American prison system. All prison systems are gross. But um, I think these are stories that, like, really need to be told. And I, I love that there is because a lot of this comes off the back of, like, podcasts and true crime podcasts that's how a lot of us learned about the innocence project is through podcasts like serial way before kim was doing it way before the organizations we've worked for were supporting incarcerated people but like america has a real problem and it's systemic and it's great that emily is providing a platform on a show that is like full of criminals um, in his past that she could actually have other people talk about their experiences where they've been found not to be criminals and then talking about, I think the interesting thing is like they've been exonerated but then even though you've been exonerated, I know you're still thinking about the criminals of the OC, they're like even though they've been exonerated, there's still a long way for them to go just to re-enter society. Like they've been exonerated, but their stuff's not expunged. Like they still can't do certain things and what that process is like. And I think it's important on the OC because of the demographic that they're speaking to. Like it's probably people who are Republicans and who think these people should have been put in prison and, you know, people who fought to put these people in prison. Like sometimes you need to speak to your own. Do you get what I mean, Patty? It's not for you and me, but it's for the people like her. It's for her neighbours. I'm just thinking about like. <laughs> Brooks, where do you want me to begin? No, I'm, no, hang on. Like finish your sip of water because like, honestly, I'm just thinking about. Emily's next innocence project and expunging like Gina's DUI or something. <laughs> like. no, but, no, but I think like, but then you had Gina talking about her D, her DUI and how in comparison it is like. A- I mean, it's insane. I think one of the women that they had featured was like in like jail for 27 years or something for yes, a yes that's what I mean and I'm like that is like almost my entire lifetime like I just I can't like put my but head on around top it. of that she still can't get her life back there's still it's things fights that she's fighting for that's what I'm saying and honestly the reason why it's so significant that we see it on a show like the OC if we're going to talk about representation mattering, let's talk about white people's representation. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> finally someone said it. I know. Finally somebody said it and it's the black girl. Um, but, like, she is doing it because the people in her community, you know, mm. I'm generalising here, they are not down with this stuff. They're not the people who suffer from this stuff, Right. And so it's so important that you can speak to your people about this. This will hit home more than if it happened on Atlanta. Moshi, your allyship on this matter is noted. Oh, what? (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) I want to thank you. 
And I want to thank Emily on this um, important, important topic. Um, no, but it is like totally fucked up. Like I just, I couldn't put my head around it. It's out of control. Like how do you go to jail for a crime you didn't commit and then you spend like decades? Like it's insane. Exactly. Anyway, but unfortunately um, for them, the, this episode was truly the episode of Shannon and John Jansen um, because I, like, it's unraveling real fucking quick. And one of the things I want to discuss is, like, obviously Shannon is, like, working really hard to, you know, stop any conversation about it. She's trying to like, you know, avoid it all and all the rest of it, which I thought was really interesting because at the same time, there's this suggestion that John Jansen is with Shannon for the spotlight, for the fame. Um, but that's not something I have ever gotten from John Jansen. What, what's, what's your thoughts on this? With a, He's got a face for radio, so there is no Ooh. way that he's wanting to be on television. I just don't get it. Like, I like, like a Brooks. Brooks was like wanting the spotlight. He was wanting to be on TV. He was willing to like. He literally stalked the shit out of Vicky to like, you know, be the perfect boyfriend for her. I just I don't get that from John Jansen. Like, perhaps like in earlier seasons when they were like talking about their business like ventures together, like maybe. Um, but then. It just makes me think, though, as well, that, like, is Shannon trying to shield, like, herself from all this topic of conversation because she knows that John is hungry for the spotlight and so she doesn't want to give him that opportunity because she knows how bad that could end up? Like, I don't know, like, what, like what's your theory? Do you have a theory? I, that's my theory. <laughs> you know how you just said unravelling? You know that moment where Shannon just loses her mind and she's Which like... Which time? <laughs> I'm about to sort of quote it where she's like, you know, we can't talk about the fact that his son doesn't like me after she says that, like, she can't say anything and proceeds to reveal <laughs> everything. That's my theory. My theory is that, like, she feels really insecure in this relationship and she doesn't think that she deserves better. That's my theory. See, this is the thing with Shannon. Like, as I said in Atlanta with Mama Joyce, like the minute Shannon gets her hormones like leveled out and she is in therapy, it's just not going to be the same. She will never be in conventional therapy. If she's not getting her Eastern medicine, getting her chakras aligned, putting crystals up her butt, like... Well, I feel like has that all stopped? Like we haven't been to Dr. Moon in a while. Dr. Moon, that's his name. Um, I wonder if he's related to Tiffany Moon. I I don't know. I think that was a sweeping generalisation for sure. I don't know that many. Like Moon is not a name that I've heard commonly amongst the Asian community. I was just saying like that would just be interesting. Two Dr. Moons, if you will. Um, I, I just, I... Like I don't, I, I'm with you. Like I don't believe that he's like act, like wants the attention. He might enjoy the perks of potentially 
being with Shannon. I guess there's stuff that we don't think about, which is like fame isn't just being on the show. It's the access to all the other things that they mm. might be getting. So potentially that could be it. Although like if he's ever watched a season where Shannon's been on, like she's wild. Like she's, she's, this is who she is. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's talk about International Taco Day, that Shannon has been planning this event for months. Like, It looked phenomenal. I was just like, who who's planning International Taco Day for, like, more than a week ahead of, like, the day? Like, It's not about the tacos. It's about the tequila. Yeah, it, yeah. And um, what was his name? The chef? Um, anyway. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So there are like there there's like two like massive like trigger events for Shannon in this. One is Heather coming over to while she's setting up the event. So my thing with Heather at the moment is I think that she's one of those housewives where she's unwilling to start the mess, but once the mess is out there, she's willing to engage, right? So, like, she will never be the one that comes in and says, like, John is looking for the spotlight or, like, you know, Shannon said that his son doesn't like her or whatever it is. But I feel like once another woman brings it up, it's fair game to Heather, Well, I think it's fair game to Heather because they all dropped Heather in it and Shannon chose to believe that Heather had dropped her in it and instead of believing that Heather had the best intentions. And that is why Heather is pissed. And to be honest, that's exactly how I would be. Like if I am consistently having your back and never being the first one, like you said, she doesn't bring things up in conversation, but she just adds her two cents in. And what she says is like pretty inoffensive, but you're willing to go crazy at me. You best believe I am going to fuck you up. And that's a warning to you, Patrizio. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fire. <laughs> so got that on recording. <laughs> um, the way I just checked that we were recording. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And, like, I feel really, like, I hate to say it, I feel really bad for Heather because, like, I, she truly has copped this for, like, for no reason. And I feel like she's being very direct with Shannon. I feel like she's being very, like, like, you can tell, like, when Heather is, like, looking at you in your eyes and she is, like, I am not the one saying this. I have not said this. Like, it's in my vault. I just don't know how Shannon can look back at her and be like, oh, no, like you're lying or you're full of shit or I don't believe you. I just, that's the one thing with Heather, like as much as I can't stand her, I just. Tamara is definitely in her ear. Tamara has been trying to throw Heather under the bus since the beginning of the season. She's been fanning those flames. I'm telling you, there is other people sowing seeds of doubt into I know and I guess maybe that's where Heather unfortunately hasn't taken it yet she has to like Heather has to kind of do the thing of like the plant the seed in Shannon's brain to be sort of like well who keeps telling you that I am doing x y and z right Right. 
and let Shannon put the pieces of the puzzle together kind of thing. Never will. But the the thing is that Heather is just not, I don't think she's like a girl's girl. I'm right to say it. What does that, what do, is that even? Don't be one of these people that perpetuates this girl's girl narrative. There's no such thing. I say I that as a girl. She's friends to no one. I I don't think, I think that Heather can be a good friend, but I think that there is always going to be a rift between Heather and these women because I think to them and to me as well, Heather has one foot in, one foot out. It, like she's not 100% in on this franchise. She's not 100% in on the OC. So I think there is perhaps a little bit of a plot. There's some hatred on for you because she's got one foot in LA, one foot in um, the OC. And I think because she wasn't so forthcoming about it, like these women don't trust her. They just view her as like an outsider, as an interloper. She's not really one of them. And that's how they will always view fancy pants. And I, well, and I think they're kind of justified in that because, like, I from the preview for next week, like the topic of discussion is definitely the sale of her home and the purchase of the of the penthouse in LA. Because it's sort of like, I mean, what does that say about you know your intentions of being in Orange County? Um, I think Heather as well came in. Um, you know, she she got Kelly Dodd fired, and then she came in to save the show in much the same way as Tamara is here to save the show. Like everyone is here to save the show basically at this point. I, I just I just think that for them being this women on the show or being maybe like Shannon, I think Heather is just an easy target. She's an easy one to fight because nobody really wants her around, you know. She can go. But, I mean, I think um, she also has arguments with Emily and with Gina and I think, the thing that's really interesting is she obviously values her relationship with Emily but really doesn't value her relationship with Gina. Heather Shannon. or Shannon? Shannon. Yeah. So so on that, mm. Gina and Emily both bail on Taco Day. And we know Emily was pissed because tacos are her favourite food. Well, it's her tagline. The FaceTime between Emily and Shannon. Emily was, like, shaking. I know, her hand fully shaking. She was really furious. And I I know, I know what that's like because I was on a phone call recently where I was physically shaking it's like the adrenaline rush when you finally have your opportunity just to like unload um because and I think all of Emily's points are justified as well right it's like there is a different standard that's put to Shannon or that Shannon is you know trying to put on herself where she can try and stop some of her shit from being her, her dirty laundry being aired, um, whereas the rest of them are fully in on doing it. Like, you know, Emily has been very open about her problems with Shane and Gina is Gina and, you know, like... It's Gina. <laughs> why is Gina on this show? 
Like, there's nothing interesting about a woman that goes and does, like, carpool pickup at school. Like, I'm sorry. She's too, she's too, like, I wouldn't even want to be friends with her in, like, in real life. No comment. I think we bashed Gina enough on this show. I know, but it's, it's it bears repeating. Um Anyway, but Emily and Shannon, I was just like, wow, this is, like, so good. And because I think, like, Emily, she's a lawyer. She raised all valid points. And 100%. Judge Patty is here to say. I think her and Shannon will come out of this fine. Like, they come out of it the end. Okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, like, I like Emily as well where she was just like, this is not a conversation for FaceTime. Like, this is a conversation for me, like, in person with you. And when they are finally in person, can we talk about Shannon Shannoning at the restaurant when she asks the waitress for, like, what's the healthiest option? <laughs> and the waitress says this salad and Shannon goes, okay, great, I'll get the burger <laughs> And I'm just like, in that moment, I was like... Never get rid of this woman. Like, <laughs> this is actual comedy. Like, this is funny. Ha ha. <laughs> Laugh. Um, Shannon, like, I don't, she is made for reality TV. She really is. Um, but the tequila of it all at this International Taco Day, my only question for you, Moshi, is... Where is Vicky Gumbelson? Oh, you'd think with the tequila there, she wouldn't be too far away. I think because it was like a bit of a couple's thing, I think that's potentially why Vicky wasn't invited. She has that like really ugly old man that she's with now. But I don't think the women have in, been introduced to him yet. Like he's not on the show. Well, he'll never be on the show. He lives in the phone. He lives in the phone. Um, I really am considering this summer getting a water gun and filling it with tequila. Oh, it looked, no, it's actually not okay. So Taylor's lips, <laughs> Taylor's whole mouth. Amazing. Can we, we haven't discussed I don't Taylor this it. week, but <laughs> absolutely wasted <laughs> with I'm the paparazzi. Like, there is something that's like, it actually makes me gross to see people that out of it because she's not just on alcohol in that situation like she's obviously taken meds and mixed her alcohol like it's not it's you know that what's you know how we we've spoken about that meme what's something that when poor people do it is frowned yeah that's something that when rich people do it it's like louded like people loved it like what is the difference between the way that she acted and somebody you know you might you see people like that all the time on the street and nobody's clapping for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's disgusting. I I hear you, but when she held out her hand, like she was holding an orange in it, like, I'm sorry, but this. She held a whole <laughs> press conference and her fella just was standing there smiling. Like, Jesus Christ. Talk, <laughs> like, is he even a good person? <laughs> Your significant other let you embarrass yourself like that, Patrizia. Come on. <sighs> I'm sorry, but I just, she's willing to do what needs to be done. If that's what needs to be done, <laughs> mate, the asteroid can't come fast enough. <laughs> not the asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, look, is there much more to say about OC, Washi? 
literally nothing. The only thing I do just want to, I want it memorialized on the podcast um, is so the Debros have um, gotten access now. They've closed um, escrow and they've got their penthouse apartment in LA, which has been designed by Roberto Cavalli. You know who used to really like Roberto Cavalli? Who? Alex and Simon Van Kempten. That was their designer of choice. And, and I think that explains it all, really. Like, when you are buying an apartment designed by Alex McCord's favourite designer, I just question your taste. And I, I question it as well because Heather, I mean, Heather's house that she built in OC, sure, there are some design choices which I question also, but it is a fucking beautiful home. This apartment is just not it. And it definitely, it feels transitory. Like I just, they're not going to be there forever. It's just like a, to, they're living there while they find the actual estate, which obviously they have purchased now and they're going to spend the next three years renovating. That's the only reason why they're going to put another etchings of their embryos on their new flames. Maybe they can have the embryos like turned into something. Mm. What are you turning the embryos? The embryos become babies. That's like it. You don't turn them into anything else. Maybe they could be put into vials or something. I don't know. Like we need to dead this conversation. Okay, it's dead. Um, Real Housewives in New York, Moshi. The reason for the season, season I'm fourteen, happy. episode seven. Like, just speak, speak on it. I love them all so much. I can't figure out which one I love the most. Actually, the only one I don't love is Sai, but that's a conversation that we can have later on. No, um, let's have it now. She's, you know, she's given me one note. I need range. I like her note, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. I, I think, look, it's cute for a season, but this better not be, like, a trend here to stay. But I, I look, I just think she's giving who she is. I think there's some narrating that she did in this episode that I enjoyed. I think she is really good at translating things that are happening, particularly like talking, like I think she calls things out that need to be called out. So like the Jenna genitalia of it all. I think, you know, she makes points that Jenna isn't as open and as easy to get to know as other people. And, you know, like even calling out the fact that like, you know, Jenna is willing to tell somebody this story about um, it was contextual, obviously, to make somebody else feel comfortable. Jenna shared a really vulnerable story about herself and it was great. But she did call out the fact that here's somebody who will say something to a stranger and then not let the people that I wouldn't say friends, but people that she's getting to know, know this about her, which I think shows the stakes as well, which is that these women are insane and can be mean as well. But um, I think that Sai has a role to play and I think that it's okay to be one note 
when you're not taking yourself seriously. Like she doesn't have a stick up her butt, so I'm okay with it. So let's talk just briefly about the gender origin story, which is that her name is actually Judith and in her first... Okay, so let's stop. Her name is Jenna. That's the name that she goes by. But the name that she was given at birth was Judith. She goes to college and the first week the professor's like, now's your chance. If you've got a nickname, it's like it's now or never to say it because otherwise, like whatever we decide today is going to be the name I'm going to call you, right? And she didn't want to be using the name Judith. So she was like, what what nickname do I give? And she's reminded of as a child when her brother would call her Jenna, Jenna, Genitalia. So yeah, but she I think, says, yeah. I think Jenna was her nickname growing up, which is why he called her Genitalia. Like, I think Jenna was a pet name, but it was never something that she took on as like an active nickname. Until college. And obviously it's stuck ever since because we also find out as well that um, obviously like through her marriage and stuff, like her her surnames have changed as well and like she's dropped certain things because all of her shirts and stuff are monogrammed, Moshi. So no more three, no more three letters. That conversation was really fascinating to me because she's absolutely right. From a design perspective, when you're monogramming, the three letters does look better. So um, we got the Jenna origin story and I like, I mean, you know what the thing is, Moshi, you tell any of the women that you're working with a story and they're going to use it against you. And sure enough, although she didn't tell Sai the story, Sai uses it against her later. Because I actually felt that Sai bringing up the Jenna genitalia story later on was actually kind of a little non-consensual and it kind of felt a bit ick to me. I definitely got an ick initially, but my ick dropped when Sai didn't pursue it. Sai got to the point. Like Sai Sai definitely has this like teasingness about her which is a bit nasty a little bit rude but she got over it when she just sort of said like oh yeah but here's the actual thing is that the name Jenna has is Judith and I think you're right it wasn't size point to say it but at the same time I'm kind of like it needed to be said and I don't think Jenna was gonna say it um I, yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say. It's just another layer of the onion that we're getting from Jenna Lyons this season. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's more onion stuff. And I think the onion stuff is so important, especially for somebody like Jenna, who is like an eye, like she's more of a um, idea. She's Like Jenna Lyons is more of a concept to a lot of people than an actual human being, if that makes any mm. sense. And so... That's why for somebody like Jenna in particular, it is so interesting to learn about her. And she's had like such a metamorphosis. Like she truly has changed so much about herself and is in a completely different phase of her life. I think the story as well, learning about her condition. I mean, those of us who have watched her other shows know about it, but like 
you know, the fact that she's like her teeth are all fake. Like she has no, none of her own real hair. Like, you know, somebody who's, life is built on the outside. Do you know what I mean? And, and she's, when you think of Jenna Lyons, she's an authentic person, but then to have all these accoutrements that she needs is, is really fascinating. It's very just polarizing. It's just different, you know? I kind of want a set of the eyelashes though. Get them. Love scenes. Target. I, I, I can't put falsies on like to save my life. I'm so bad at putting fake eyelashes on. So um, okay, so then another thing that happened in this episode as well is we're getting the aftermath of the 10-year anniversary party of Erin and Abe, um, and there are really two parts to this, right? First of all, it's Bryn saying to Abe that if things don't work out, give her a call, and then there's Sai leaving the party to go to Nobu. The way these women are obsessed with Nobu. I know. It's disgusting. Question for you. If you were Erin, which of these two incidents would you be more angry at? I'm just curious. Bryn. Okay. So you are an Erin. (laughs) (laughs) You just outed yourself. You're an (laughs) Erin. I think the thing with Sai, though, is leaving the party. Like, there are so many things that could have happened. Like, Sai could have tried to find Erin to say goodbye and couldn't find her. Or, like, sometimes you... We know very well that that is not (laughs) what happened with Sai, though. I know. But, like, I don't know. Or, like, you know, like, things happen. Erin could have been drunk and not noticed that she slipped out. Like, whatever. Who cares? But, like... Bryn was being messy and like I don't think she meant to be messy but it was in the end. My issue with the Bryn of it all, why I would actually be more annoyed at Sai, is that everything that Erin was being told, she was being told by other people. So Erin's feelings towards Bryn started when her sister told her that the women were being particularly rude. Do you know what I mean? It's I mean I mm-hmm. Granted, it's information from, um, you know, people she trusts, but it is still a game of whispers. Like, it's not the full facts. You're getting something really one-sided. And I just think when somebody is coming to you with information, I think you owe the other party an opportunity to explain everything or like I just feel like Erin is going to watch it back and she's going to be like okay like this was purely for the cameras it was an off-the-cuff thing it was Bryn being Bryn like there was truly no malice behind it where she I think she will see like size thing and it'll be this like thing of just Sai continuously being rude about the food and all of those things. And I think her mind will change after watching it back. Do I think that Bryn crossed a line? A hundred percent. But at the same time, I do think that like when watching the show, there is this context that Bryn is, you know, out to just be controversial. She's just saying whatever she has to say. She's giving the sound bites. I don't think there is actually anything in it. Like it's fully air. The fact that Abe laughed when it happened, like, that tells you exactly what bullshit it is. Um, 
I she was like she was stoned and like wearing sunglasses inside. Like be annoyed about that. Like be annoyed about her being pretentious. But my thing is, Erin's anger was fed by all of these little things, and she just wanted to be angry about something. But it's like being angry at a child. Do you know what I mean? I know she's not a child, she's a 36-year-old woman, but to me it's like it is so pointless. I know. That's where I was coming from. Like that's why I sort of just think I do think Erin overreacted and I, I did see this I think on Pet Shop Boys Instagram or something, but like he had sort of said imagine like being so worked up about something, coming in late, like going to have your moment, storming out, and then literally nobody follows after you. Do you know what I mean? And I think the fact that nobody followed after Erin Ex, like goes to show how like insignificant Bryn's thing was. And I know it's her marriage and she's entitled to feel however she wants to feel about it, but I think it was blown out of proportion because Bryn would have just apologised if she had handled it a different way. Um. So you're talking about um, when the ladies get together to make um, – Reads for Christmas. That was the moment that I watched that. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've seen on this. Bryn, you need to. I I think that Bryn needs to step her pussy up. That was not it for me. Well, have you seen as well? There's like this suggestion online. We haven't actually seen inside Bryn's apartment yet. So I have, I spoke about this last week. Again, you don't listen to the podcast, so you'll never know. But if you read the article, She's not allowed to. The building manager said no. She's not allowed to film there. Oh. Well, but if you can't film in your house, at least you're saying give us a better group activity than this this arts and crafts session. I'm just going to say this. We're halfway through the season. I think Bryn is really disappointing. Okay. Were you not impressed by her little dalliance oh, with Gideon? Gideon of it all. We'll talk about this. I loved all of that. But I, the thing that I'm a bit disappointed on with Bryn is that, like, she's been in a couple of um, confrontations. So this confrontation with Erin and, like, saying things like, if you try to accuse me, like she goes all up and be, it's going to be on, of like flirting with a married man, it's going to be on. And then it's like, but that's literally what you did. And she doesn't, What? what is it? What's the threat? Like what comes afterwards? <laughs> She's all barked, you know what I mean? And then like it's if we go back to when they were in the Hamptons earlier and they're at that lunch, she doesn't even make any sense at that thing where she was trying to bone collect and bring up jenna leaving the party sleeping somewhere else like it's giving whitney (laughs) okay and that's not good (laughs) it's not good but like i think it's kind of okay like we have one we've got to have one that's as you would say delulu right like she is delulu but at the same time it's like she to me it's giving playing a character a little bit more than just being like she's perhaps not being super authentic 
And I just think like, if you're going to be the flirty cutesy girl, like just do that, just lean into it. Like she should have been like, oh, I'm instead of getting, instead of flipping the script and then trying to be all defensive about your actions. And again, this is kind of why I like Sai. Sai will do messed up shit and completely own it. Like you need to just be like, I'm really sorry. You're absolutely right. I overstepped the mark. I'm so sorry. You, I was stoned. I shouldn't have done it. I also was like, um, you know, just being funny, just hamming it up because of your whole vows thing. Like truly could have explained it away. It truly could have been done. Instead, she tried to be that per. She tried to be Nene Leaks and it didn't work. Not Nene Leakes. I'm just saying that's where she tried to go. She tried to go or she tried to be Heather Debro when she points her finger and it didn't work for her. Do you know what I mean? Like the uh, that's the text that I have to refer back to, Patricia. That's the source text. She just she's not cut out for confrontation. And that's okay. Not everybody is. I mean, you say that you use Heather, but I also think of Heather threatening Shannon last season, being like, if you ever come for my family again. But I still believe that Heather will find a way to cut her. The difference is Shannon. Shannon, don't come for Shannon. Like, Shannon will also fuck you up. Well, like, Shannon was, like, trying not to laugh at Heather. She was <laughs> exactly. Like, but that's what I mean. Like, you, but that is Shannon Shannoning, right? Like, <laughs> Shannon is just leaning into who she always is. It's like, Shannon's like, you will do what, Heather? You will do what? Like, this is what I mean. Like, they, there wasn't that kind of um, rep, repartee. There wasn't that back and forth. So those sorts of things just aren't going to work for our girl, Bryn. Like, she needs to find another method of, like, playing offense. Okay, so is her playing offense bringing Gideon onto the show? I think that was a stroke of genius and he obviously is so fucking in love with her because it's the only reason why he was on the show. But he's also, like, he's got his own little personality and he's quite fun and he played into it. Like, he loves it. And I loved him. Are you going to try and flirt with a married man, Moshi? No, I'm going to try and flirt with Gideon, though. (laughs) In his mind, he's married to Brynn. Like, truly he is married to her. You know what it is, is, like, he is her kind of fun. Like, he gets her. Like, he gets what she's about. Like, I don't think he ever thought she was going to marry him. (laughs) Uh, I I get the sense that he was probably, like, raised in some uppity family and has, like, escaped to New York. And she's, like, the – she's the antithesis of, like, everything that he grew up around. She's the one that's, like, hey, let's go do some illegal shit over here. Like – But, Patrizio, you've watched Ladies of London. You know about the royal family. You've watched The Crown. British people are the silliest. Like, you know (laughs) Caroline Stanbury. Like – British people are like stiff up a lip, but lip, but in at the same like, and I'm talking about you know pe- the uppities as you like to call them. Like you obviously, like if you've watched Made in Chelsea, they are the cheekiest people in the world. This is the shit that they like to do. They like to have these cheeky little games. I love Gideon for it. You know, like it's very, um, camp. he's very camp. You know what I mean? Like he can be kind of campish and still be kind of masculine at the same time it's 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 nice 
the revelation for me in the Gideon of it all was that, like, finding out that Bryn is, like, truly insane because she says, like, how she had to call her boyfriend at the time and be like, I just got engaged to another man. I was like, the insanity. Okay, so this is where I was like, he was playing a game because they were broken up. He obviously doesn't want her to be with anybody else. And so he knew he could propose and she would come crawling back and he knew she, they were never going to get married. That's what I'm saying. Like they are in it together. They are both clowns with too much money and too much time. Do you think Bryn has that much money though? I think that she probably, like, I mean, I've been on Bryn's LinkedIn, (laughs) (laughs) which should be no surprise to anybody at this moment. I think like she, she's done what needs to be done. Like she, she has a good job. She's very successful. She's like quite senior in the marketing world. Um, so I think, I think she makes enough money. Is she out here buying classic cars? Perhaps not, but I've also did a bit of a deep dive into her, um, Instagram, which is quite telling to me. I think she has done coming from the background that she came from, I think she knew exactly the lifestyle that she wanted. And from college, like she went to a really great college, I think she knew how to surround herself with people in that class. Like she, Mm. you know, changed classes, like, and good for her. So she should. So I think she hangs around with people who buy classic cars. She's giving me like the Chanel Ayat, like of the season. In what way? Remember how we're like Chanel Ayat is like not rich like the other women are. Oh, a hundred percent. I I well, um, you know, my sister did a really good job, I should say, actually, of reading the Domino article about Bryn's house. She is renting her beautiful um apartment that she lives in whereas I think the other you know there's always this thing about owning and we also know like Jessel is obviously renting and if you want to talk about that you can um but and I think that it's like very common to rent in New York like it's hard to own but I I think she's I think she's wealthy enough she can travel she can do what she needs to do I don't know there's a lot of things about Bryn for me that I'm just like I think she's like a fun girl, but like there's nothing to me specifically aspirational about her other than the fact that she just seems very happy. I don't think renting or owning has anything to do with anything really, to be honest, because I feel like half the Beverly Hills housewives rent their homes as well. Right. Like, So anyway, um, you brought up Jessel. Um, we got another layer of the onion on her this week um, as she finally – spoke to her mum about how she conceived through IVF. Um, it was a beautiful moment, um, but it made me think they've already had this conversation. 100% they have. So this one I do believe. But at the same time, Jessel is doing what needs to be done. She's structured in her, to quote her, she put her PR spin on it, right? Like Jessel understands public relationship relations and she's doing brand Jessel. She's doing what needs to be done to become the person that she wants to be. So I'm here for it. 
I love that for her. Me too. Um, yeah, like, but her mum had heard the story before. I think uh, her, her parents were aware that they were going to be talking on television about Well, it. that was the thing. It was also, like, I am glad that she's also done it because it's sort of, like, that thing of, like, it's already been brought up on TV, therefore you kind of have to talk to your parents about it if they don't actually know that this is a thing because either, either they find out from you during filming or they're going to find out having watched the show or when their friends text them that they've just seen, like, you know, an episode of the show kind of thing. 100% for me, though, from, like, the PR side of things, like, Jessel knew what the she wanted it to be a happy ending if that makes any sense like her mm. and so I think that like even though it pro, it was known before it didn't come across as insincere it came across as very real because she was still talking about things that are very real for her she spoke of, I, I think anytime you can bring your community your culture into the mix to add context to the conversation I think also just talking about how painful it was trying to get pregnant for so long and not being able to relatable to so many different people um like Jessel is up for the people but also not for the people and it's fabulous Jessel has had a very interesting, like, turnaround in seven episodes, I feel. She's had so much happen through her arc and... But she's gone from, like, villain to fan favourite as well. Yeah, 100%. But she's, again, like, she knows what she's doing. And the part of it, you know, I think is phenomenal. Like, last week I spoke about how I'm obsessed with the two of them and how they comment on, like, Instagram posts about themselves and memes. Like, they are 100% in on the joke. Um, Parvet even posts them to his own Instagram. Like, they are laughing at themselves. And I think the thing is, like, at first, like, we were all like, oh, he hates her. They're not in love, da da but what I've come to realise is that they are probably more in love than any couple we have ever seen. Like, they are a true partnership. And, like, even today, like, he jokes about, like, not wanting any kids, but then he fully gives in and he's like, yeah, like, so you need to talk to your mum, especially if you're thinking about having a third child. <laughs> like, like, he knows the child is coming. He knows that his job is to be like, I don't want another child. Like, it's amazing. I'm I'm here for it. They're both marketing geniuses. And, and like, um, just to continue the motif around as well. Like, you know, last last time it was Tribeca is like up and coming. Um, this week it was like Hudson Yards is like it's cute. Like <laughs> <laughs> this woman is like out to like shade all of New York. New York, I know. And but that is but you know what I think that is so important because New Yorkers are so in love with themselves, <laughs> and so I think it's like so great to have someone like Jessel come in and be like, actually, guess what? It's not that great. Like, <laughs> oh, she's. I wasn't into her at first, but Patty, I am. I'm riding the Jessel train. Um, 
Unfortunately, no Uber in this episode. She's living in the phone because she is like having a very bad case of COVID and recovery. It's not a very bad case. It's literally just been 24 hours. Like the event is literally the day after the 10th anniversary party. So everything is just happening in a very short window. No, I thought there was like they said that she had been sick for three weeks. I didn't think. I thought it was like it was the next day. No, I don't think it is. Oh. They said that she's out for three weeks. Yeah, that's insanity. Well, unfortunately, when you're out for, if she's out for another episode, it's friend of the Uber. Well, but she's not, so <laughs> obviously she's back next week, was she? She makes up for it on their holiday, I believe. So well, so we've seen. Um, okay, so Moshi, you left me with a challenge last week. Well, it wasn't so much a challenge, but it was more like let's have this conversation. I honestly... Every moment I have to myself, I'm, like, thinking about the challenge. And I want to put this challenge out to the listeners as well. Do you want to say what the challenge is or do I want Do Are you okay for me to say it or you say it? Yeah, you tell me, Jenna, Jenna Taylor. What, okay. who, who would you like to narrate the story? <laughs> okay. So me, Jenna, Jenna Taylor. This comes off the back of Carlos King and Kenya's discussion about Real Housewives of New York seating charts, and we talk about it all the time, but we've never really this far out done a challenge where we try to predict what the seating chart will be. So we've gotten the mid-season trailer from Roni. Knowing what we know based on what Carlos and Kenya say, which is that the seats next to Andy, like we know that they're that girl but it's like when you get the seat next to Andy like you're meant to have it for life because you are the show and it's there's so much that goes into it it's not all it's not about always about who had like the strongest storyline it can be just about the message that you want to send so with that we want to know what seating arrangement you think Roni will have when the reunion hits? And Patrizio, I want to know what seating do you think Roni will have based on what we know so far? Okay, so I had a list in my head and about five minutes ago I swapped two of the housewives just based on something that you said to me and... Okay, I'm interested because I've told you that I don't, didn't want to know until we got on the pod. Okay. So who is sitting next to Andy? So sitting next to Andy, and I no, I wanna I'm gonna start, I wanna go from left to right. Okay. So looking Andy's at Andy's left or we're looking No, left? we're looking at the women in the seating arrangement. Okay. So on the far left, Bryn. Okay. Sai. Okay. Erin. Interesting. So that's who you've got on it. So there's there's two factors here. It's also what the factions are and who's sitting next to Andy. So Aaron is sitting next to Andy for those playing at home, and the faction is Cy, Bryn, and Aaron. Very fascinating. All right. Okay. Andy. Obviously. (laughs) Jenna Lyons. 100%. 
Jessel, and then Uber. Okay. So the the discussion that I've been having with people is whether or not Jenna is getting that seat. And I'm going to, my prediction is that regardless of what happens on this show, Jenna Lyons is sitting next to Andy. I think that there has also been a, um, what's the word or it's happened before we have to stick to it. Um, a pre a precedent. You're a lawyer. Um, you should know this. No, you're not. The, pre- the precedent being, in my opinion, um, Julia in Miami getting the front seat as well. I think there is something to be said about putting a strong lesbian woman next to Andy. Um, for me, for me, it's not the lesbian of it all. For me, it's what I like to term prestige. It's about the positions of power beyond the show. Like who is the most powerful person? Who was the most notable person before the show even began? Like who did we know? Majority of folks knew Jenna, which I would say more broadly because Sai has a huge following. She's very well-known and very popular. Um, I suspect Aaron has is quite known within specific social circles and Uber also is known within specific social circles. Like they had followings before the show, but Jenna Lyons is prestige. She, everything she does turns to gold, right? And she was one of the big draw cards because it was, everyone was like, Jenna Lyons on Real Housewives of New York, there is no way in hell. And she's showing us that she's great on the show and that it was good casting and she was the reason a lot of people turned tuned in. So for that reason, and this is the fight that I've had with people who don't think Jenna will be sitting next to Andy, Jenna is definitely sitting next to Andy. I don't know which side of the seating she is sitting on. I definitely think, I definitely assumed that Uber and Aaron would be sharing the couch with Jenna. So that's probably in terms of the factions, that's the difference that I had. I think Aaron will be on a different side than Bryn and Sai. Um, no, but the, that, okay. So because I've been like, like on this for the whole week, right. I've, had the opportunity to also have watched this week's episode and then watching um, the the mid-season trailer. And that really also changed perhaps my ideas on all of it because there is an Erin and Cy um, alliance coming up soon. Yes, but, the, well, they just go to dinner. But one of the things that I don't know if you're aware of, there is also a Bryn and Cy fight that happens if you're talking about things that happen in the future. But I ultimately think that Jessel is going to be sitting on Andy's other side. So that is that is primary. So number the thing that I definitely think is that Bryn and Cy are not sitting next to Andy and that Uber and Aaron are not sitting next to Andy. So that's where we differ. I think because Jessel is getting the other side. Um, and then I think like the other option that I thought is that they would, because I think all of these women could sit next to each other. The other option that I thought, because I think you're right, like Uber and Aaron, there's obviously something there, but I thought like Uber would be on the end, Aaron in the middle, then next to Jenna, 
then it's Andy. So I'm going the other way around or whichever way, I don't know. But then it's um, Jessel, then it's uh, Cy, and then it's Bryn or potentially Bryn in the middle just because people like her more. But I, the big ones for me are Jessel and Aaron, either side of Andy. I can't wait to find out. Knowing now why you've asked me this question, I would like to say that the only two people that in my mind were for sure where they were sitting, Uber. Uh, yeah, Uber for sure. And Jenna Lyons. Jenna Lyons, in my mind, no matter the, the, the infinite combinations that we could make, she was always sitting next to Andy. So that is where you and I 100% agree. Like, and I think that'll be the most controversial thing. I think people, I think though, I think the most obvious combo people will say is that it'll be Aaron and Jessel next to Andy. And it's what? not to say that they don't deserve it. It's just that's not the way the cookie crumbles. Jessel is not going to get a front seat. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> she's doing well, but she's not like, she's not the face of the franchise. Um, because that's what we have to like that, that that's the thing after Kenya's made that comment now it's like who is the face of the franchise right and that's why I'm also really confident on Erin sitting next to Andy because I think she is she's New York the only reason I could see Erin sitting next to Andy is because she's a clear villain but I just think that the people love Jessel so much like Jessel is the first one to be on watch what happens live like not with the other cast members. She was the first one. Oh, well, I guess Jenna's been on before, but that's different. But Jessel is the only one of the girls that Andy has had on. So for me, you know, she's really having a moment. People really love her. She's engaging. I think for I think the conversation with Jessel is far more compelling than the conversation. Like Erin's whole shtick is just that she's moody. Like, I I think I think the controversy, let's say, is going to be where Bryn is sat, and I think that there's a lot of people out there who think Bryn should be sitting next to Andy as well. What reason? Sorry, we're going to end up debating this until the cows come home, and it's meant to be a bit of pure innocent fun, just a little light. I just have a feeling because I think Bryn has always been kind of like she was going to be the it girl of New York City. And I think it's just the cookie, as you just said, the cookie is not crumbling in that way. I think there are other people who are far more intriguing to watch on TV. And that's the thing, Jenna Lyons is intriguing to watch. So compelling. You know, this, this, one of the things we didn't talk about is one of, you know, the thing that happened is that, Jenna Lyons is trying to do a Bethany Frankel and I think Cy has called her. I think Cy has caught it. And um, I don't think she is though. Oh, she totally is because her whole thing has been like she didn't name drop. She didn't, she wasn't able to bring a celeb pal in this week, but she did do the gift bags where everything was part of her collab. I don't think she's, I don't think she's expecting the women to share it on their socials because she doesn't have to. She shared it on the show. They don't need to share it. Like, yeah. ready put on the show, that's enough. Um, I, but I, I, and I think that that's the quid pro quo. But at the same time, it's like, just be happy you're getting shit. 
I mean, she by Sheree gave nobody nothing, you know. So <laughs> just be happy you're getting the shit. I just like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not offended by it. I think it's great. Oh, yeah. And like, the only thing I was kind of a bit like, really, Queen? I was like, when she was like, all these items are from like small businesses and women-owned businesses. And I was like, well, yeah, if Jenna Lyons, you own the business, yes, it is a woman-owned business. <laughs> like, no, no, but she's collabing. And and I think she's she's predominantly collabing, collabing with other women. I just think that Sai is a bit pissed that she didn't think of it first. I like, yeah, it's it's nonsense to me. To me, it's like exactly what I would expect. And it's a shame that the rest of you aren't capitalising on it in the same way. That's shame on you. Moshi, I think that brings us to the end of another episode before we come up with the infinite combinations of women on the New York reunion. <laughs> you know what I want? I want them like to, they need to find a whole new way to host a reunion where no one is in a power seat. Like, I don't know what that looks like. Are they all just like. It's a circle with Andy in the middle. <laughs> they, or they all have to like. <laughs> Andy sits on a, on a lazy Susan and just gets spun around <laughs> talking to it. They have to move at the end of it. It's like musical chairs. Like yeah. end Can of every segment. <laughs> every like they break and when they come back, the women all have to run and then it's like the music stops and wherever you land, that's where you land. Or maybe it needs to be like. Andy's on stage and the women are watching off to the side and as like you know okay now we're going to talk about like the Bryn versus Erin of it all and then they have to walk over and sit in the bar chairs you know like in um at BravoCon where they did squash the beef like something like that (laughs) then we don't really get to see the outfits it becomes a shame no we love the reunion we love the seating of it all that's fair all right, so we'll be back next week. Are you back next week? I am back next week. No, I'm not back next week. You're That's a lie. That's just I I am Jenna Lyons to you right now. <laughs> I was just like, you're going on a vacay again. I have approved your PTO. Have fun. <laughs> not me. You know that meme where it's like um when you your boss doesn't approve your PTO and it's like me on my holiday and you're like where are you for the pod? And I'm like, <laughs> you me happen. You're basically the Teresa of the show, always on holiday. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, enjoy your vacay. It's, you know, totally earned it. Um, we'll miss you. Um, I'm anticipating that I'll be back next week, but we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll give myself some PTO as well. Um, but remember to rate, review, subscribe, Follow us on the pod at From the Lower Level Pod on Instagram. Ring the bell so you never miss a notification. And tell us what your predictions are for the New York reunion seating. We're, we're curious. Moshi, as always, it's a pleasure to see you. Um, next time we speak, we'll have Salt Lake City to discuss. Okay, bye. Bye, baby gorgeous.